0: Um, So this morning we are going to be talking about the subject, Is Peace of Mind Possible?, um, we do a series called I've Always Wondered, which every once in a while we have kind of a week where we do not in the middle of a bigger series, and we always bring up a topic that may be something you've thought about in the past. It could be any random question. So if you ever have a question, if you ever have an I've, have I always wondered, make sure you shoot us an email or let us know what that is, because we would love to answer that. And so this week, as um, I was thinking about what are one of the things I've always wondered about, one of the subjects that kept coming back to my mind is the subject of peace of mind, of whether or not it's really possible for us to be peace-filled people. I think we we hear about people talking about the, the peace of Christ. We hear that Christians are supposed to be peaceful people. We we think well we should be different and yet so many of us struggle with peace in our mind and our thoughts. So many people struggle with anxiety. So many parents I talk to say, my kids are really struggling with anxiety. So it seems like something like, is that really true, or is that just a nice idea? Is it just a nice idea that we can have peace in our minds, or is it something that um, really is possible if we have faith in Christ and something that God can help us live out in our daily lives? And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. It was really funny, though. I had been praying about it and thinking about what the subject would be, and I had just typed in my notes this week. Yep, I'm going to do that. And I wrote, I've always wondered, is peace of mind possible? And just then my cell phone rang and it was my husband. And he said, hey, just wanted to let you know I'm at the roundabout by CVS and somebody just hit my car and smashed in the whole front of his brand new car. And I was like, is peace of mind possible? Peace of mind is possible. And I'm taking a deep breath and I'm like, first I said, Are you okay? And he's like, Oh yeah, I'm fine. He goes, these new cars, they kind of just kind of just folded in on itself. And and you all are gonna laugh because how much does he talk about those roundabouts? He's always bringing it up in his sermons about the roundabouts. And sure enough, he got crunched at one of the roundabouts. And then my third thought was, I'm so glad it was him and not me, right? <laughs> Do you ever have that when your spouse does something and you're like, Whoo, I'm really glad. The new car was wrecked by you and not me. So that was my third thought. Um, but it was funny because as soon as that happened, then I started feeling like, oh, this anxiousness and like, great. Well, what is that going to mean? And now oh, we're going to get a loaner car and is it ever going to be the same again? And what if we ever want to sell it? And now it's always going to, a- you know, and my mind starts racing. And then I had to kind of stop and go, wait a minute. You're just trying to write a message about peace of mind. And I felt like that scene in Kung Fu Panda when Master Shifu is sitting there breathing going, inner peace, inner peace, but his eye is twitching the whole time because, you know, he's been driving crazy, so that is what I was thinking about, because the truth is, although peace of mind seems like a really nice idea, the reality for a lot of us is that seems like a far-off thing. It seems like something that's a nice idea, but not something that I am experiencing a lot in my world. I think for a lot of us, we are living stressed out. I think a lot of us are riddled with worry and anxiety and trying to keep our heads above water and not really sure what to do with what's going on in our minds all the time and the racing that's happening. More and more people are talking about worrying and anxiety. More and more parents are having their kids struggle with that. And so we're going to talk today about what Scripture says about that. The National Institute of Mental Health actually says that 18% of adults in the U.S. have some type of anxiety disorder. And 6% of adults in the U.S. have some sort of depression any given year. And 50% of people in the U.S. will have a serious problem with depression, anxiety, or substance abuse sometime in their life. 50%, sometime in their life, will have a significant problem with one of those issues. And this was another statistic I thought was funny. 38% of people worry every day. And I thought, that is really low. Like, who are those 62% of you that are never, ever worrying? I don't know. I don't know about you, but 38% of people worry every day. Now, this needs to be said. We're going to talk really practical about what the Bible says about that today. But we always want to make sure you know, if you are struggling with anxiety, depression, something that is really affecting your life, there is no shame in going and getting help for that. I think a lot of times people don't know what to do in church and fear and anxiety and mental illness. And I think a lot of times our messages get mixed and people think, well, if I really have faith, I won't need any help. That's not true. God has used doctors and medication to help myself, my husband, some of our kids in lots of different arenas. So never be ashamed to ask for help if you need help. That is a really important thing, and I think it's a big tool that God uses to help a lot of us get through some really difficult times. But having said that, it's important to note that the best doctors who give you the best medication will tell you medication alone is not going to fix anxiety or depression or worry, because so much of it is coupled with what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your mind, and it might help you with some of the physical things, but there, it isn't just a physical problem. For a lot of us, the problem will lie in our consistent, embedded thought patterns, the things that we're focusing on, the things that we're thinking about, the way that we wake up in the morning and what we're thinking about, or what's happening when we lie down to go to sleep, and what's racing through our minds. And many of us have gotten so entrenched in a pattern of worrying about things that we don't even know we're doing it. We just get to the end of the day and go, man, my jaw's been clenched all day, or I have a headache, or my shoulders feel so tight, and we don't even realize what has been going on and replaying in our minds all day long. A a definition of anxiety can be care that brings disruption to the personality and the mind. It's the thing that brings disruption to what's going on in us. So what are some of the things that we worry about? Well, for a lot of us, we worry, what if something bad happens, right? What if something bad happens or we hear about something bad happening and then we start thinking, well, if that could happen to them, that could happen to me. Now it's something I should start worrying about. Like, like I live up here, but now I'm worried about Florida sinkholes. Like what if there's a sinkhole and I just don't see it, you know? If it happens somewhere, it could happen to me and now I start worrying about that. Um, most people not only worry about what if something bad happens, but they're convinced that if something happened, that they would not be able to cope with it. I think that's probably a big one. Not only is it if something bad happens, but if that did happen, I don't think, how many of you have said, I couldn't deal with that. I could never handle that. If that happened, I know that I couldn't cope with that. In one study that I was researching this week, worriers were asked to write down their worries over a two-week period and predict what would happen. So over two weeks, everyone wrote down what their worries were and what they thought would happen. But in fact, 85% of the actual outcomes were positive. 85% of the things that they were worried about never actually happened. And for those that did have a negative outcome, 79% of those people coped with the negative outcome better than they thought they would. So even if it was bad news, even if it was a hard thing, 79% of them were able to handle it better than what their minds had told them they would be able to do. So we can worry about something bad happening. We can worry about uncertainty. How many of you love uncertainty when it's like it could go this way, it might happen this way. I don't really know how it's going to work out. I love uncertainty. I'm being very sarcastic right there. We want to know exactly how it's going to work out, and we want to know how we're going to get there and how long it's going to take and exactly the right road. So uncertainty can make us worry. We can worry about failure. We can worry about looking dumb. We can worry about letting people down. This was another interesting thing I thought of that I have struggled with. Sometimes we worry by treating everything like an emergency. Anything that happens feels like this is a big deal. This is horrible. And actually, it was so funny because I was working on a lesson that I was teaching the kids on a Thursday night, and we were talking about self-control, and so I was looking up some resources, um, and I came across this, this graph, and I'm going to have put it up on the screen if you can see it there. It says, how big is my problem? And this is a resource for teachers to help kids cope when there, something happens so that they have a reasonable reaction to what was happening. So number five, you know, how big is my problem? Number five, it's an emergency. And what's listed there is like tornado, fire, danger, serious injury, and you can see the face. That's a big, ah, face, and uh, what a reasonable reaction is to feel enraged, terrified, hysterical, and angry. And it goes down the list to a big problem, getting lost if someone gets hurt, to a medium problem, a minor accident, someone feeling sick, to a little problem of forgetting homework, I can't find my supplies, to just a glitch, Number one, it's losing a game. It's not getting the crayon that you wanted to have. And so you can feel okay, content, fine, and calm when that happens to you. And what was so funny is I printed off the sheet and I glued it to the front of my desk because I was in this season where, like, my Amazon order is late! And I was, like, fiving out all the time, like, oh, my goodness, the kids are going to be, I forgot to register them for whatever. And I was, like, having this, like, five reaction to everything. Can anybody relate to that? Where you're, like, why am I reacting, like, a tornado, fire, dangerous, serious injury? And this is most definitely, like, I didn't get the crayon I want to. of situation and so sometimes that is what's going on in our minds and we so I kept it on my desk for a long time and if you would like a copy I can share it with you and I won't even tell anyone that you borrowed it so um. And then the last thing that we worry about is this, once we realize how much we're worrying and that this worrying is affecting our mental health and then we start looking at the physical things of worrying a lot and we think I'm gonna have a heart attack, I'm gonna ruin my life if I don't stop, then we start worrying about our inability to stop worrying. And then that just goes, I just can't stop. And so all of these things can start to just spiral for a lot of us in worry, fear, a troubled mind, runaway thoughts, negative emotions, These all become a very real part of our lives, and yet it is something that Jesus addresses in the Bible. It isn't some kind of abstract thing, but this is something that Jesus took the time to actually talk to us about and address in Scripture. And He says in Scripture that one of the benefits that we will have from a relationship with Him is peace of mind. I was just reading in Psalm 103 this week that says, Praise the Lord. And don't forget all of his benefits. Don't forget all his benefits. He says that when you have a relationship with me, there are some benefits that are going to come to you. Some things he says, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to set you free. And one of the benefits that Jesus has promised us is peace of mind. And I'll tell you where he promises that. And it's in John chapter 14, verse 27. Here's what it says in John 14. And these are the words of Jesus. He said this. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. This is a benefit. This is a promise that Jesus gave us. Not only that, Jesus tells us that peace of mind is a gift that he wants to give every single one of us that we don't need to be troubled, we don't need to be afraid, but if we are in relationship with him, that he is going to give us the gift of peace of mind. But he also says it's not possible to find it anywhere else, only through him, which explains why a lot of us feel like we're trying to find peace of mind somewhere and coming up empty, because it is something that only comes from a relationship with God. Now, peace can be translated quietness rest. So quietness in our minds, rest in our thoughts, those are things that Jesus has promised to give us. So is it possible to receive the gift of peace of mind? And if it is possible, if it's something that God says he'll give us, why are so many of us desperately without peace of mind? What are some things that we can do to accept it and are some things that we need to participate in so that we can open our arms and accept this benefit that we are so desperate to have. So today I want to share with you three things in scripture that will help us accept that benefit, that gift of peace of mind. There are three scriptures that have been really instrumental in my own life that I continue to to read and, and memorize and work on every single day. So here we go. Number one, is to cast your worries on him. Now that comes from the verse, 1 Peter 5, verse seven. And that's the NIV version, it says, "'Cast all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. So when we're talking about those things that we're worrying about, those things that we are struggling with, those things that we're thinking about, it says to cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, what does that mean? What does casting mean, right? So we can think of like casting a fishing line or something like that. But here, the word casting actually means to throw upon. So it means to cause responsibility for something to be on someone else. Or to put the responsibility of the thing onto someone else. So that is what casting means. So when we cast our worries, fears, anxieties on God, we're literally putting the responsibility of that thing on him. We're saying, not it. (laughs) Right? It's almost like saying, okay, this thing I'm worrying about, I'm going to now cast that very thing on you. And now it's your responsibility. Now I'm just giving it to you. So it's putting the responsibility of the thing on God. So in other words, it's saying, Jesus, this thing that I am worried about, I am realizing you have said, cast your anxiety on me because you care for me. I'm going to trust that that's true. I'm going to trust that you really do care about me and that you're going to handle that thing. So I'm going to put the responsibility of that on you. So when you cast it on Christ, it's like you're just saying, not it. Not it. I give it to you. You're now in charge of fixing this. Um, another great verse is Isaiah 26, 3 that says, You will keep in perfect peace all those who trust in you and whose thoughts are fixed on you. you know, most of our troubled thoughts can be traced back to that feeling that something bad might happen or, or that situation is going to overwhelm me and that I'm alone in this. That I, I have to handle this all by myself. But the Bible is filled with promises, for, with promises for us that every time we face something, God has said, hey, I've got you. I'm going to be there. I'm going to help you. I'm going to protect you. You don't have to do any of this alone. Trust me. I am working in your situation. I am going to help you get through this. And if we take him at his word, if we know that to be true, when something comes in our minds and says, you have to handle this all by yourself, nobody's looking out for you, we can take that thought and we can cast it on him and say, you've promised me that you're going to be responsible for my solution and my answer to this prayer. And so we can trust that he is going to take care of us. He says what we're worried about something to cast that thing at him because it is his job to take care of us. Whether the need we face is a physical need, whether it's something you're struggling with emotionally, whether it's spiritual, financial, relational, he has said he will take care of you. So when we believe that that is true, we can cast our cares upon him. Now, does that mean that if we believe the promise of God that that we won't have any worries come? Does that mean that all of a sudden we just won't have another anxious thought ever? Well, of course not. But we begin to know how to respond when those things pop in our head. We know how to respond when those things are weighing on us. Um, We are going to cast that burden right back into his capable hands. When your mind begins to say, You're going to fail at this. You can't do this. You stop and say, well, hold on. God, you have promised me. Your word says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a promise. Now it's yours. Now you've said you're going to help me. Now I'm going to trust that you're going to help me, and I'm casting that thing. I've been walking around my house all this week doing this. My kids are probably like, what's wrong with mom? Why is she doing that? Because I just literally needed to like, I'm casting this thing right back at you. You have promised that you're going to help me, so I am going to trust you with that. When you're feeling like, I'm really feeling anxious that something bad is going to happen. You can stop and remember that Psalm 46 tells us God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. He has promised to protect us and shield us and keep us safe. So you can stop and say, that's a promise of God. That's your job to keep me safe. I'm casting that anxiety back on you. Now it's your responsibility. I'm trusting you with that. And even in the worst, even when you feel like everything around you is crumbling, Even when your heart is broken in a million pieces, even when the things turning around in your mind aren't hypothetical situations, but they are the very real things that you are facing, and you have no idea how it's going to work out, and all you know is that you feel like you cannot cope with the situation. You can remember that Isaiah 43 promises us that when we go through deep waters, we will not drown. When we are in the midst of the worst fire, he has promised, you will not be burned. Even when you are in the depths of the darkest valley, you can know that God has promised to be there to comfort, to shield, to walk you through safely to the other side. And you can say, this even is the worst thing I could have imagined, but you have promised you will be with me. And so I cast that anxiety, that fear, that worry, that despair on you and know that you are gonna get me to the other side safely. We cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. So we have to do it. Now do it quick. Do it quick and do it often, right? I don't know about you, but th- sometimes the more I st- try and stop thinking about something, the more I think about it. It's like, if you st- like, oh, stop thinking about that, oh, I'm doing it again, and it just keeps coming. So do it as quickly as you have to until you get to the point where you stop doing it. You might have to do it every day. You might have to do it every five minutes for a while. If you've been in the pattern of meditating on this thing for a long time, Say to yourself, God has got me, and so I am placing the responsibility of this thing on him. So that's number one, cast your cares on him. The second thing scripture tells us about fighting anxiety is this, trust not trouble. And I'll explain what that means. One of my favorite verses is John 14, verse 1. And again, this is Jesus talking, and he says this, don't let your hearts be troubled, Trust in God, trust also in me. I was studying this passage a few months ago, and I was looking up what that word troubled meant. And it was so interesting to me because the word troubled means to stir up. It means to shake to and fro. Another definition means to cause inner and emotional agitation from getting stirred up on the inside, to cause inward commotion. And then this was my favorite definition. To set into motion what needs to remain stilled. Isn't that great? To set into motion what needs to remain stilled. So when Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled, he's saying, hey, I promise to take care of that thing. Why do you keep stirring up that thing that I have promised to take care of? We keep troubling, we keep stirring, we keep setting into motion what needs to remain stilled. And we're not believing that God is gonna take care of us. So when Jesus says, hey, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. I've got this. He's saying, hey, I've told you. I'm going to take care of it. Why do you keep stirring this up? Trust me. I have got it. When we set into motion what needs to remain stilled, we keep turning over situations in our minds. We, we get a little bit of peace about it. We think, okay, Lord, I know that you're taking care of this situation. And then a few minutes later, we just start revving up again. And we start thinking about it again. And we set into motion what needs to remain stilled. Sometimes we do that by talking to other people about a situation. Sometimes, maybe I'm the only one who's ever done this, but I'll have a situation that I'm working through and I'll get to the point where I feel like, okay, I'm feeling okay about this, and then I'll see somebody and I'll start rehashing the story and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, I'm right back where I was. I'm right every feeling that I had, every emotion that I had, every frustration, it's all right back there. And so sometimes we set back into motion what needs to remain still because we can't stop talking about that thing with everybody that's asking or just being negative. Um, sometimes we set into motion what needs to remain stilled when we try and get in there and fix our own situation and we make a bigger mess out of things. Instead of waiting on God to work things out in his own way and in his own timing, God has said, I, I'm working on it. I got it, and you're and you're thinking, that's great. I will just help you out a little bit. Because <laughs> it seems like you're moving a little slow, or it seems like I can't really figure out what you're doing, so why don't I just help, right? Have you ever had kids that are like, I'm going to help you with something? And you're like, oh, that was a lot of help. Thank you very much. And, you know, everything gets messed up. Sometimes we stir up things that need to remain stilled because we get in there and we start messing with things that Jesus has told us to wait on. And for some of us, we need to stop troubling our hearts and minds. We need to stop stirring up things that need to stay stilled. This is a beautiful promise that God gives us, that I'm taking care of it so you can be at rest. You don't have to worry about it. I've got this. I was actually thinking this week about a dear friend of mine. Her name is Danelle. Now, Danelle recently lost her seven-year-old son um, just this month. And her son had been born seven years ago with a severe brain injury and was in so much medical trauma his entire life. And Danelle spent her entire life just caring for Levi. That was his name. And um, he couldn't eat. He was on feeding tubes. But he lived seven years, which was way longer than they thought that he would have. But um, this Christmas, she had been writing a blog. I'm um, kind of chronicling her journey and she was talking about um, at Thanksgiving time Levi began to take a turn for the worse and his body started to shut down and they kind of knew that the end was coming for Levi and she wrote this beautiful blog about this season. I wanted to read a little bit of it to you. She says this week I participated in a quiet service at Salem Covenant Church. It was a meditative time to refocus our hearts and mind upon the purpose of waiting And a reminder that the Lord is actively and passively waiting for us as well. We had the opportunity to meditate on the following scripture from Isaiah 30. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. "'In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, nope, we will flee on horses.'" And therefore you will flee. You said we will ride off on swift horses. And therefore your pursuers will be swift. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. And blessed are all those who wait for him. She continues on by saying, For me, in the season of an increase of Levi's fragileness, My thoughts have become like those racing horses. They're racing me as I am pursued by fear, my heartbreak, my sleeplessness, my anxiety, and my long-suffering. But they are racing me away from my compassionate Lord who longs to be gracious to me. And in light of Levi's Advent, I am encouraged to know that with quietness and trust, I will find strength. And with each process of waiting, the Lord will say, this is the way, walk in it. This insight from scriptures has changed how I am waiting on behalf for Levi. Isn't that beautiful? Recognizing that so quickly our thoughts will run away. And yet God says, I long to be gracious and compassionate. And if you can quiet yourself and keep stilled what I have promised to take care of for you, you will find peace. You will find comfort. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. So we cast our worries on him. We don't let our hearts be troubled. And the last thing we need to do to fight anxiety is this. Be still. Be still. Two verses that I love that say this verse. Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. And Psalm 37:7 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. I want to read you a little bit from my devotion that I had this week from Streams in the Desert, one of my favorite devotional books. This week it said this, I once believed that after I prayed, it was my, responsible to do, my, my responsibility to do everything in my power to bring about the answer. Yet God taught me a better way and showed me that self-effort always hinders his work. He also revealed that when I prayed and I had confident trust in him for something, he simply wanted me to wait in an attitude of praise and do only what he told me. Sitting still, doing nothing except trusting the Lord can cause a feeling of uncertainty and is often a tremendous temptation to take the battle back into our own hands. But we all know how difficult it is to rescue a drowning person who is trying to help the rescuer. And it is equally difficult for the Lord to fight our battles for us when we insist upon trying to fight them ourselves. Isn't that great? Be still and wait patiently for the Lord. Now, I think that many of us can grasp the idea of being still physically and not doing any action steps in a situation that we are waiting on God for. But what if we moved that today and said, what could you do to mentally be still? not just I'm not going to get in there, I'm not going to make a phone call, I'm not going to try and fix the situation, but what if you mentally made a decision to be still and trust in God? What if we determined to stop all the spinning and rehashing and overanalyzing and trying to figure it all out and instead stopped and said, I'm going to be still and trust that you are working on this. I trust you. I know that you are good. I know that you're faithful. I know you've got me. What if we did that? What if we simply told our minds to be still? God is working. You don't have to. Hey, mind, be still. God is working. You don't have to. What if we did that? What if we told our bodies and minds? You know, there have been seasons in my life where I have had panic attacks and the first time I had one, I just thought, what in the world is this? I don't even know what this is. My whole body started just freaking out, and I was worried. I was worried about my kids, and it just came out of nowhere. And finally, once I figured out what it is, I had to learn to talk myself through it. And I would have to say, mind, be still. Body, be still. Heart, still. Still, And I would take some deep breaths and I would just quote scripture over and over again. And I had to retrain my body and my mind. And because a counselor will tell you, your body thinks something very real is about to happen. And it responds as if you are in trouble. And yet I wasn't really. I was sitting on my couch. Everything looks good all around me. Why do I feel like I'm under attack? Jeff, Jeff said he was going to change my ringer tone to something like, everything's okay. You're not under attack. Just that if I started feeling that, I could just play his soothing voice. No one is coming after you. And I think I'm going to make him do it just for that, just so I can have it. But there have been times I have had to have the discipline to stop and say, be still, my soul. Be still be still. God has got you. There is no reason for fear. There is no reason for worry. He is good. He has never let you down. Be quiet. Be still. And it's not like it made it go away overnight, but over days and months and weeks of continuing to not just let that train run away, those wild horses go wherever they wanted, but stopping and saying, be still. Be still and know God is good, and he is working for you. We can be still when we know that God is good. We can be still when we know that he is working. So what if we just believed and gave him the chance to work on our behalf? One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 23. It's become even more important to me over the last few years. I guess I always thought of Psalm 23 as kind of like the grandma psalm. You know, every grandma has it on her wall with like a little sheep and like Jesus sitting there. So I never really thought much about it. But I started quoting Psalm 23 whenever I would feel anxious, whenever I would feel my mind racing. And the part that I especially loved is that he leads me beside quiet waters. Because when you are feeling like everything is agitated and everything is troubled, how beautiful is the picture in my mind of God just saying, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come sit down. Here's a, here's a little nice little quiet water. Just sit here and rest. I got it. I got it. And sometimes I just have to mentally put myself there, that you lead me beside quiet waters. He does not want his children worrying about everything. How would I feel if Betty was lying awake at night saying, how are we going to pay the mortgage, Mom? How are we going to pay the mortgage? You know, my 12-year-old. Mom, i just been really worried about how are we going to pay for college for the four of us. You know, I don't want her worrying about all that stuff. She is my kid. I'm going to take care of her. And how much more does our Heavenly Father say, why are you letting yourself just stress about all these things? Have I not told you that I'm going to take care of you? So trust me and wait on me and be still and know that I am God. We need to remember that peace of mind is a gift that Jesus promised to give us. He said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. I want to leave you with one more scripture, and then we're going to pray together. Isaiah 30, verse 15 says this. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. In the waiting, in the resting, we find the strength that we need to get through anything that we might face. Would you bow your heads today as we close the service? Jesus, I thank you for this promise. Lord, I thank you that when you came and you died and you rose again, you didn't just save our souls for heaven, but you gave us benefits for this life here on earth. And I thank you that you took the time to address peace of mind. I think you had been human long enough when you said that, when you were a 30-year-old man, that you understood how difficult it is in this flesh to not be worried and anxious and fearful. There is much to be worried about. There are people we love and care about. There are things that are dear to our hearts And so I thank you that you took the time to say, I am going to give you a gift. And it is going to be peace of mind and peace of heart. So Lord, I pray that you teach us how to live that out every single day. We know that we have to participate in the receiving of that gift too often our minds just go on autopilot. And so I pray that you would begin to quicken us, Lord, when we are thinking anxious thoughts and we don't even realize that we are rehashing worst case scenarios. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just quicken us. And in that moment, we would quickly cast our cares on you and remind ourselves that it is your responsibility to take care of us. Lord, I pray in those moments when we don't know what to do and we feel panic rising inside of us or that worry or that fear or the unknown and we, we aren't sure what to do, I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to not let our hearts be troubled but to trust in you that we would not stir up something that you have told us to remain stilled. And Lord, I would pray today for a stillness to come over the hearts and minds of every single person in this room, every single person hearing my voice. Lord, maybe there are some that anxiety has felt like a constant companion in their life. And I pray that today would be the beginning of freedom for them. I pray, Lord, that you would still and quiet their souls, and that that would come directly out of a knowledge that you are good and you are faithful. And you have got us. Help us, Lord. Lead us beside quiet waters. Restore our souls. Thank you for caring so much about us. You do not want us tormented by our thoughts day and night. But you have promised to give us peace. And I take another second and just pray for the children of people in this room. Maybe the kids aren't in here. But maybe there are parents whose kids are just struggling with racing thoughts. In the name of Jesus, I pray that you would bring peace to their little minds and that things that they're worried about, that they do not need to be worried about, in the name of Jesus, you would quiet them. I pray for every parent who feels overwhelmed, not knowing how to help their child. I pray that today these few little tools, you would help them to begin to teach their kids and it would bring some relief and some freedom. Lord, we we just stand in the gap on behalf of them. And we pray, Lord, for peace of mind in our kids. Thank you for being such a good father. We love you so dearly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.